At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare To first strike right here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. And of course, for the next hour, we're going to break down every betting angle for UFC 270. My goodness, we've got a big one. The big boys on display here. The heavyweight championship will be on the line, of course, against Cyril Gan and Francis Ngannou. Then we go from the heavyweights all the way down to the 125 pounders to figure out who's the best in the world. And will that be uh, uh, Davison Figueredo or would it be Brandon Moreno in their trilogy bout? So, of course, Throughout the next hour, we're going to have Lou Finicaro join us. Reed Kuhn is in studio today, so that's a real treat to have Reed here. And always, it's great to have Nick Likas join us in studio, the man that sets the numbers behind me that you see here at Circus Sportsbook. So without further ado, let's get right to Nick Likas. Nick, great to have you back. Our first one of the year, our first pay-per-view. And it's exciting, obviously, when you have the big boys here in Ngannou and Gan, then the little guys in Moreno and Figueredo. I just want to know, we've seen this line move precipitously in the way of Cyril gone here in the last couple of weeks. When you opened it, what, about a month ago? Was it around even or was gone a small underdog at that point? Uh, the market had gone as a small underdog, a pick'em type of price. I opened gone the slight favorite around a buck twenty, buck twenty-five. Um, and we immediately got sharp action on that side. So that's why we elevated it. We increased our line a little bit to minus one thirty-five-ish. We got more sharp action to minus one thirty-five, all the way up towards minus one sixty-five. Before we got resistance, yeah. So a lot of early action, and it was sharp. It wasn't like square action that was coming to hit the early line. Okay, so now, as you see in Gano here, plus 125, Gano holding at minus 150. Nick, where do you anticipate this going before we actually get to to, uh, to kick off these fights tomorrow night in Anaheim? Well, once it reached that certain price mark of plus 145 or so, we did see some sharps come back and buy that price. So the line did drop down to plus 135 is where we have it right now. Okay. So I think the line will continue to actually drop down further as well because the public side should be in Gano. Not saying that there's not going to be a lot of sharps buying into that plus money either, but I think it's going to be more of the public side. So I expect a lot of heavy action to come in by fight day on the Nagano side. Okay, so maybe if you're thinking of backing gone, the advice could be here that you want to wait a little bit, anticipating that money to come in on the Predator, Francis Ngannou, who looks spectacular. They both did at the weigh-in today here on a Friday, so you can understand why now maybe some of this money move uh, coming back on the Predator at plus 125 and gone at minus 145. Let's get into this fight a little bit more because, Nick, it's very intriguing on so many different levels. Obviously, when you got heavyweights, you think, well, one-punch knockout power, we know the Predator has that. But then you think of Cyril Gaon, and this is a guy who might be the most mobile 
uh, big man, I mean, true big man that we're seeing here weigh, weighing in around almost 250 pounds. This isn't a 220-er going up against right. a guy about, you know, around 260. These are guys about equal in weight. They know each other well from their days in France, train together, et cetera. Are you seeing movement on the round prop here at two and a half? In which way does that money come in? I open it a little bit more correlated towards the over because I think if Gon wins this fight, it's probably going to go deeper waters, right? So I opened it actually a little bit on the overside. So two and a half around flat, two and a half under 15. But we immediately got action on the under. So we had to respect that action, and now we're trickling around a buck twenty-five, buck thirty. So I think more under betters for sure. I mean, when you have two monsters like you said in the cage like that, I mean, a lot of people don't expect it to last too long. So I'm not surprised by that movement. And Gan obviously comes in here undefeated in his early UFC career. We know that Nganu obviously got taken to those deep waters by Stephen Miocic, where really the gas tank was a problem, and it was an easy uh, decision victory that day for Stipe. The first time out, the second time out was very different between those two guys. So you see the odds here, Nick. Are you seeing any prop sides come in here either? I, I mean, I can't imagine Ngannou gets a sub at 25 to 1, right? He's but got one on his resume, though. He does he have does. one on his resume. It's not something you, that you would think would be a likely one. Are you seeing any of these kind of wild card, bigger odds uh, prop plays coming in? I mean, we're going to definitely continue to get action on Ngannou by knockout, right? That is going to be the most publicly bet prop on this fight for sure. And again, you can't blame people, right? I mean, if you're getting plus 125 on Ngannou, he's probably going to win by knockout. So why not grab plus 145, 155, 165 on the knockout type of prop? So that's going to be popular for sure. Yeah, and again, that's the idea, right? Is you're trying to maximize your value depending on which fighter you actually think in those pathways to victory. So to Nick's point there, yeah, you can take the Predator at plus 125, but if you really don't think there's a chance of him winning by decision, then maybe that KO, TKO, or DQ at plus 165 gets you a little bit better bang for the buck. That's all we're trying to do here uh, at First Strike is educate you depending on which side you have. On the Frenchman side here in Cyril Gone, are you seeing any props? Because I think people think it's a longer shot that he gets a KO, TKO, or TKO, uh, or DQ rather, or do you think people are thinking, all right, if he wins to the point about the over, maybe it goes to a decision. Yeah, we're going to see more sprinkles on the decision, and we are seeing that type of action on the gone prop, and I think by knockout as well, so it'll be split, but a little bit more heavier towards the decision side from, again, the sharper betters, the public betters out there as well, because they think it's, it is correlated more towards the over, which makes a lot of sense, yeah. I think, if it goes farther. It is going to be more difficult for Ngannou to win a decision on the scorecard. Yeah, and again, that, that's the idea here, people, is depending on if you think it's gone, you're probably going to be tending to right. play the over. If you think it's Ngannou, you're probably playing those under props that you see there. When you get to the co-main, good luck trying to figure this one out. Okay, <laughs> because when you look at uh, Brandon Moreno, Davison Figueredo, the trilogy fight is set here at 125 pounds. Right now, of course, Moreno is the champion, the first-born Mexican UFC champion. And I know that that's got some weight, Nick, and we saw the emotion of him and Joe Rogan when he got that belt placed around his waist, I mean, this is not, you know, this is something that is very prideful for him. And I wonder about how that plays into a fight week and maybe how it plays into some of the uh, plays you've seen for this. Are you seeing more money now come in on Moreno thinking, all right, he's the champ. He's not going anywhere. He's the younger guy here at 28 versus the 34-year-old former champ. Which way are you seeing the money come in so far? The money early on was coming in Moreno. I, I set the market a little bit higher on Moreno side as well. I mean, I've been on Moreno all three fights, right? Honestly, I mean, the first yeah. fight, we got fortunate to get that draw because I think Figueredo did edge out the decision, right? Mm -hmm. But the second fight, I mean, he was all over. It was very impressive from the Moreno side. He was all over Figueredo and dominated that fight. So I think the third fight's going to look a little bit closer to the first fight rather than the second fight. But that being said, I still think that you got to respect the Moreno side in this point. I know I like what I see from Cejudo. He's he switched camps. Yep. He came in, made weight. That's a big factor. And I think a lot of public is going to buy into that and probably bet that side down.
You know, I kind of bought into that a little bit today, Nick, when I saw that. And I saw, all right, Figueredo came in a pound light, you know, 124 pounds. It wasn't an issue. It's been an issue in the past. And certainly in that second fight that you alluded to, Nick, where you could definitely see not only adrenaline dump, but the the cardio really was going by that third round when Moreno got that submission win. So do we think that, are you seeing betters again, think that that's the similar path, that Moreno possibly will get a, a sub win here, or are you seeing this one now? People think it might go back to the cards. No, I think a lot of people now are respecting Figueroa because of that. Again, he made weight, so I think there's a, a chance that it does hit the scorecards. We're going to see people buying into Fergo, possibly winning a decision. I mean, like I said, he edged out the first time, mm-hmm. and he could do it again for sure. But that being said, a lot of backers out there that are betting the Moreno side, I think he finally got over that hump. I mean, the mental hurdles, just think about that for a second. I mean, when you got a finisher like Figueroa, and you're stepping in there, and he's just going out there destroying everybody pretty much, and then you, you do get that kind of respect, and, and you – fight to a draw with this guy, right, the first time around. Then the second time you go out there and dominate him, you got over that mental hump. So I think mentally for a lot of these fighters, that's a big thing, and that's a big pause. I think he's at all-time high as far as confidence goes right now. What stuns me when you look at some of these props here for Pathways to Victory, when you see, as you mentioned, a killer in Figueredo who just was knocking everybody out before Brandon Moreno stepped in the scene, plus 500 to get a KO, TKO, or DQ for Figgy. I mean, to me, pathway to victory, yeah, he could win a decision plus 400. But isn't the more likely scenario is that he finishes the job that he couldn't do the first time around? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very tempting. And, and you know, with our whole percentages at Circa, for example, I mean, a lot of times we do increase the value out there because our hold is so good on these type of props that I look at it sometimes after I open a line, a prop line, I'm like, man, that's very tempting for myself, too. I would like to bet that price, <laughs> right, right? Right. So we just we have to extend. Again, it's all about the whole percentage. We want to be fair to the customer. So you can find extreme value on some of the props that are floating around. And I do think that's overpriced a little bit because if he gets it done, there's a shot that he gets it done by knockout, you know, like you said, or even by submission. So inside the distance is probably overpriced as well. So it certainly came close the first time around. I mean, look, Moreno has stamina for days. We understand that. And the guy can take shots at you, mere mortals like myself. You just can't take. So maybe that's the difference here. You look at the total rounds here, and the prop is juiced a little bit to the over right now, minus 135, three and a half right now. Are you seeing any action coming on the under, or has it pretty much so far been on the over? It's kind of been balanced, to be honest with you, because, again, I think a lot of people think they're, they do believe in a finish because Moreno went out there and just smoked him pretty much last time, right? right? But at the same time, there's going to be the factors that people realize that this is maybe going to be closer again towards that first fight. And if that's the case, it probably does trickle over. Even if it gets in round four, round five, you got a shot, obviously, to win that. you got to go halfway through round four. And that's the tricky part out there. A lot of betters think sometimes when you're seeing that three and a half, oh, once it hits the middle of round three, we're good, right? It has to go over four and a half, really, if you're thinking about it. I mean, midway through the fourth round for you to cash that ticket. All right, I got to ask you, I've got a couple of minutes left here with Nick Kalikas. First of all, any other fights on this card? And we know, obviously, there's been some cancellations in this card. Are there any other fights that you're seeing more activity come in on that maybe surprises you early on? Um, not too much. I think uh, we're seeing a lot of action on the Jow side over uh, Morales. Yep. I think that's a popular fight. It just got bumped to the main card as well. So we are seeing trickles. A lot of people are believing in the weight cut of Giles. I mean, he looked good. He put he some did. pictures on social media out there, and he looks like he's ripped. He's in shape. He's ready to go. And Morales is kind of still the unknown. I mean, he looked great on the Contender Series. He's coming in here. He's very young. Very talented, but I think a lot of people are buying into the Giles side of things, and that's where we're seeing the sharper action, the early action come in, and the line has dropped a little bit. But I expect to see some buyback on Morales. Yeah, Morales is making his UFC debut, but those that, uh, of course, remember him in in that series have already gotten some glimpses of him. Okay, on the line, uh, you do a great job. Tell us the people about the show. I've, I've caught it here and see it on social media. 
And uh, it's very engaging. What are you guys doing this week? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, Yanni, the Greek, and I, and of course, our host, Brandon Fitzgerald. I mean, we break down the fights from a betting perspective. We give our best bets, our best picks, our prop selections, everything. So it, it is a great show to watch, especially if you're into the MMA scene, betting scene, for sure. So we have a lot of fun. Make sure you check it out. UFC 270 is up on Fight Pass right now. So it's up on Fight Pass right now that everybody can access that. Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, Nick, it's always great, obviously, having you in. When you see these numbers again, people always reference it. Nick is the guy setting those numbers when you come here to Circus Sports uh, to make your wagers on fight night. Uh, Nick cannot wait. Obviously, uh, UFC 270 here in Anaheim, California tomorrow. Uh, great numbers as always. Thank you, sir. Looking uh, forward to the fights. All right. We have much more to get to on this edition of First Strike. As I mentioned, we're going to have uh, Reed Kuhn join us in studio here for the last half of this show. So you don't have to go anywhere. Lou Finnecaro is up next. And what Lou does a really good job of is really dives deep into what you see at the weigh-ins today. So next up here in First Strike, we're going to have Lou Finnecaro on to see if he gleaned anything from what I thought I saw today from Figgy, making that weight at 124 pounds instead of 125, and maybe what he saw from the Predator, who looked slimmed down, dare I say, in that heavyweight matchup. Don't go anywhere. It is First Strike right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you plenty of ways to get in on all the action during UFC 270. For UFC 270 only. Fans can make $1 money line bets on any UFC 270 fight and win $100 if either fighter simply lands a punch. Just use the promo code VEASAN when you sign up today. DraftKings Sportsbook bet with the only top-rated sportsbook app that matters. Eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Dave Ross here at VEASAN at Circuit Sportsbook in Las Vegas. Always a pleasure to be joined by Lou Finicaro, you can follow him on Twitter as I do at Gamblue, and he has a great podcast about business podcast. Lou, let's get to it because we got some business to discuss, my friend. UFC 270, obviously, we got the big guys and we got the little guys as the main event and the co-main event here in our title bouts. Let's get right to the big. And I always say this, Lou, I think you do a great job of gleaning things from the weigh-ins that we see on the Friday before you make your wagers 
for a Saturday. Did you see anything today between Nganu and Gon? Right now, Gon still the big favorite here, about minus 145 that we're seeing. Anything you can take away from the weights, weigh-ins today? Yes, and Dave, uh, thanks for having me on. This is a, this is a great show with a lot of great perspectives and and the information's acute, and I'm happy to uh, participate. As far as what I saw on the weigh-ins for the heavyweights, was I noticed that uh, Francis came in at 257. That's about six or seven pounds off, lighter than what he's often weighed, or at least in his last weigh-in, 263. That tells me he's working on speed, quickness, and cardio because he understands the kind of fighter he's going to be in with. Lou, right there with you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I saw those clips today, and I thought, whoa, for as big a guy as the Predator is, he looked a slim-down version. So to me, Lou, that says he's been working on that takedown defense. Is that the pathway for the underdog in the Predator to pull off the upset against Cyril Gaon? Well, I'm not convinced that Gan is going to use wrestling or shoot to take a takedown for for anything other than to force Nganu to defend that. I don't believe Gan has to take Francis down in order to beat him. I do believe that in the later rounds, however, it'll be easier to do that for him. Uh, rather, I see Francis slimming down more as a reaction to how he's going to need to be on his feet. He's going to have to try and be a little more deft and a little bit more fluid on his feet. And I'm not so, so certain that you can do that just with a few pounds of weight cut. Well, that's very interesting observation, Lou. So when you see the slimmer down versions of Francis, you don't think it's necessarily to fend off the wrestling. You just think it's for the fluidity because as we've said here, you and I many times when we discussed this fight for the last month here since we knew it was going to was actually going to happen, Gon moves as good, maybe the best fluid big heavyweight we've ever seen. So if he's slimming down a little bit, you think that's for those exchanges still on the feet? I think it's so Francis can try and catch up to him because it's my contention that Francis is not going to be able to touch Gon. That's my contention. And I think also that because of these two guys' history and everything else, they know what's going to happen in there. And Francis slimming down tells me he's addressing what he's already seen. What do you make of that, Lou? Do you read into that at all? Because we know the information came out this week where basically Ngannou says, you know, I, I knocked out Gon in training with a head kick. And I don't know that it's been disputed or anything. Does that even factor into your handicapping at all? Well, it, it, they went back and forth uh, about it in the interviews uh, yesterday, and there's, you know, mild, uh, you know, differences of opinion. <laughs> uh, what happened three years ago, whether, first of all, I go to a lot of sparring and a lot of gyms, and they wear pads on their shins, but they don't elbow, and they don't kick to the head. So what was happening back then seems odd. Um, to me, they know I think they both know that Gane has the upper hand. I think Gane is the more polished mixed martial artist. And when you have a qualified, bona fide, world-class mixed martial artist against any other kind of a fighter, you have advantage mixed martial artist. I will tell you this very quickly, Lou. In, in my Marine Corps days, we have a thing with pugil sticks, right? 
and I got hit with an illegal strike with a pugil stick. The drill instructor didn't see it, so therefore I had a rematch against the guy that hit me with that shot. I didn't want the rematch just because they didn't see the illegal strike. So I don't know if that's going to play into their factor, but it certainly played into my mind on that bad day for yours truly. So I know that you like Cyril Ghosn here. Do, do you like him more after what you've seen this week leading up to it? Because in some regards, it feels like Francis is a little bit uncharacteristically out of his element, at least at the press conferences, maybe talking a little bit more, uh, putting, you know, get, trying to get into, into Gon's head. Do you read into that at all? No, I, I think Francis is playing a dangerous game, uh, talking about boxing, talking about other issues that have alienated him from the UFC. I think, quite honestly, that if this fight were to be really razor close and went to a decision, I, I think that I can say with all due respect to everyone that the UFC does not want Ngannou to win this fight. Take from that as you want. Yeah, absolutely right. So, Lou, you always do find great value here. If you like Gon here at minus 145, are there any other method of victories in this fight that maybe you could get even better numbers if you like the Frenchman? Um, not necessarily. I think let's keep it simple. And, you know, if you wanted to get cute, you can take Gon inside the distance because I think if he can do it, it's going to be late. I, I'm also not averse to somebody taking this fight to go to decision because I think it's that hard. It's going to be hard to chop Francis and Ganu down. I think Gan, this fight could be really boring, really one-sided, a decision. And and I look for Gan, and therefore I like the over in this fight. And that was uh, we released that earlier in the week. Uh, I should say I did. Right now that's two and a half over minus one oh five. I released it at plus 100, so it's not far different. Uh, I do not think that Francis is going to catch up to him and touch him, and therefore I think it's going to be Gon's fight, and it's going to take Gon until the fourth or fifth round to either establish himself as the as the favorite via a decision or by chance maybe chop the big man down. Well, there you go. If it does go to the decision, you have to think Cyril Gon would have a huge advantage on the scorecards, plus 250 for the Frenchman to get it done. Uh, all five rounds necessary for that outcome. Let's get to the co-main event here with Brandon Moreno against Davison Figueredo in this trilogy bout. And look, the first fight was scintillating. I think many people think that Figgy won it if it wasn't for the illegal strike that led to the point deduction, which led to the draw. Second time around, I don't, nobody's debating that outcome as Moreno gets the stoppage in the third round. What do you forecast here in this trilogy matchup? Forecast uh, a Davidson Figueredo that's going to be the best of the three fights. He's going to be more conditioned than the first when he still struggled a little with weight. And surely the second fight, he was ill equipped to compete with Moreno in three rounds, let alone a five round fight. This is all different new training, new focus. Figueredo was the second man to step on the scale, 124. Uh, all of my inhibitions about his prepare, preparation have been tossed out the window. And so now what I'm what I'm willing to uh, profess is that I do believe this fight goes to decision, or you can take the over four and a half. This Figueredo with focus and conditioning manifests itself to an over to me. I still do think Moreno wins this fight. Uh, but let's also understand this. The first fight, they tied. The second fight, Moreno won. If Figueredo wins this fight, there's going to be a fourth. And <laughs> I hate to have 
the filth and avarice of boxing sift into our sport, but there's a lot of money in a fourth fight should Figueredo win this fight. Okay, got 90 seconds to go here with, with uh, Gam Lou on Twitter. That's how I follow him. Uh, Lou, very quickly, we, we mentioned it, Nick Likas mentioned it as well. Henry Cejudo now in the camp of Figgy. Does that change anything for you in that handicap? Because, again, the weight cut looks good, but any tangible differences that you might see with training with a guy like Triple C? I think it's a tell on Figueredo's part that he's groping for every every intangible he can have to try and get his belt back, and I don't think it's going to work for him. Wow, very interesting. Okay, got a bit, about a minute to go. The Bout Business Podcast. When people listen, Lou, what are they going to hear? They're going to hear a passionate guy talk about uh, fighters from all different corners of the world and all different body shapes meeting together each week in an octagon. And what the Bout Business podcast does is take 16 to 18 minutes to outline five to six final releases. We keep track of those releases, run a business with the podcast, and I sure appreciate you uh, mentioning it to the listeners. Absolutely, Lou. Always love having your thoughts here on First Strike. He is Lou Finicaro, uh, and you should check out the Bout Business Podcast. Thanks, as always, Lou. Enjoy the fights on Saturday night. We'll catch up with you again next week. As always, great job, Dave. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. When we come back here, we're going to get it right from Reed Coon in studio. The man has a formula. It works by the numbers. Reed Coon right here when you come back with us on First Strike on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. First strike on Visa. I am Dave Ross, and it is a pleasure to be joined in studio by the man who had this book come out, Fightnomics. And by the way, that's how you follow him on Twitter, as I do. Reed Coon, great to have you in studio, my friend. Thanks for traveling all this way. I know there's no bourbon behind you, but when you have Circus Sportsbook, it's not too bad. I think I'll find something in this town. I think you're going to be okay. Very quickly on the book that, that came out, and you and I were talking a little bit about it. Uh, fightnomics here. When people read the book, it still holds up today, even though the book came out, what, about seven years ago? 
Yeah, and actually, I, I originally wanted to just explain the statistics that are available in the fight game. I think a lot of people at that time looked at MMA, and it was you know, two guys crushing each other in a cage. They didn't realize <laughs> you could actually measure these things. Right. And, actually, and someone actually asked a question once, what do you do? Do you count the number of times someone punches each other in the head? And I said, actually, yes, that's 12 different stats right there. <laughs> you know, did they do it from a distance? Was it hard? Was it soft? Was it in the clinch? Um, so we want to break those down and, and explain what the distance game looks like uh, break it into its components, look at the clinch game, look at the grappling game, which is very complicated, but very well quantified. So um, a lot of the book was just laying the groundwork and explaining to people how the statistics work, what's available, and what they mean. It's absolutely fascinating. Again, that's why I love our show, because we have we have handicappers from all different walks of life. Uh, and I think yours is that, that the quantifiable one here. We can actually put it into your models and see how they shake out. When you put these in for Francis Ngannou, against Cyril Gaon, what is it showing you initially? Because I'm stunned as kind of the, you know, the fight fan that's watched all the fights, and I go, man, I cannot believe that we have the baddest man on the planet as a, a decent underdog here. Do the models bear that out for Cyril Gaon? Yeah, and I think the first time I ran it, uh, Gaon was actually the underdog when the, when the line was first released, and I saw value. That was an instant play right there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it switched, and now it's been creeping upwards, and been bouncing back and forth so i don't know where it's going to land tomorrow but based on today anyway um i agree with him being the favorite i agree with him being only a mild favorite because we do have that x factor that is in Ganu's power you know he, he has finished so many opponents very quickly when it doesn't happen that's where he gets into trouble and that's why this matchup is interesting and the dynamics are showing us that gone actually has the particular attributes that we would look for for someone to survive against Ganu, that is excellent avoidance, strength mm. defense, good distance. Uh, so those things do show up on paper, and so that that's where the models come out. So if the numbers look pretty pretty good, like right? the, the, the numbers are pretty tight, I mean, Nick Likas isn't going to give you a bad line out there uh, for people to get that advantage. So we understand how tight those lines are, and then you put them in the models, and they and they show that that to be consistent, right? If you look at Gan, do the models show you anything else that might say, okay, yeah, he should be the rightful favorite, but maybe people want to say. Could he actually knock out Nganu? Are you seeing the power uh, via the models that might support that theory? So I try to quantify the knockdown power, uh, and I try to do it per punch uh, because I think there, there are different ways to do this. Sometimes the UFC will show a statistic like knockdowns per 15 minutes or something like that, but that's heavily dependent on how much time they spend at a distance and how many punches they land. So Gan actually lands a lot of punches without knocking people down. Mm. The opposite is true for Nganu. <laughs> so Nganu's knockdown rate per punch is one of the highest in the UFC. So that's why he has those quick finishes. On the other hand, Gan is actually below average for all UFC fighters, let alone heavyweights who would have the highest power. So they are stylistically very, very different and statistically very, very different. Um, so this is very much a point game for Gan. You know, he's striking, he's, he's trying to, you know, control the dynamics he lands a lot more punches than he takes Nganu actually is even on that statistic mm. he lands as many as he eats but because he hits so hard it just it ends the fight and that's why you can see the numbers here where a decision for Nganu feels like the long shot at 12 to 1 but a decision for Gan at plus 250 would kind of verify what read is the information he's bringing to the table here that that might be the method of victory if you want to go for better odds people if you do back the Frenchman uh, that's why these numbers are so important. Also, I, I mean, I'm curious when you put in the models here for takedown defense, because it feels like something that people feel like, well, Stipe got him down, right? And he wore him out, kind of got the gas tank to bleed out in that first round of their first fight. 
and he kind of cakewalked his way to an easy victory. What are you seeing for Francis when you put in those numbers on takedown defense? Yeah, his takedown defense is actually pretty good, uh, and a lot of people have tried to take him down. So if you look at how many takedowns has he attempted in his entire UFC career? Right. Three. He only landed one of them. Uh, but he's faced 36 takedowns. So obviously people are coming into the cage with him thinking, I don't want to stand and trade with him. I need to get this fight down. Uh, Stipe clearly did it uh, the, the first time. That was actually a time where I was backing Stipe on that one, uh, not the second time. But uh, Gan actually has attempted 24 takedowns in, in his you know, not very long no. UFC career. So that's, uh, that's something that kind of surprised me. He doesn't land them with great accuracy, and the takedown defense is pretty good with Nganu. So that's going to be an uphill climb, I think. Um, but it does favor Gan's style of, you know, point strike, point strike, set up the takedown. He's not trying to take your head off out of the gates. He is fighting a very measured strategic bout. That is very fascinating. Again, if you heard one of Lufin Carroll in the last block, his point of is that Gan, that basically Nganu would not be able to catch up to Gan. So it's not so much that he's going to be weary of the takedowns, all the time. But to your point, Reed, it's almost like this calculated technician style that Gon is going to try to go to get ahead on the points and maybe wear out the bigger man. And that's why it feels like that if you're a backer of Gon, you're taking the over. And if you're a backer of Nganu with the one-punch knockout power that you mentioned here, the most prolific we've ever seen in the UFC, you're probably playing the under. That's why these numbers and uh, Fightnomics is very fascinating to yours, truly. Let's get to the co-main event here very quickly, Reed. And you look at Brandon Moreno against uh, Davison Figueredo in this trilogy matchup here. What are the models showing you so far? Because the first fight was fascinating. And if it, we don't have that point deduction, I think most people agree that Figueredo would have won that fight. The second time around, maybe the weight cut was tougher. He looked good on the scales today. What are the models showing you in this trilogy matchup? Yeah, it, trilogies are interesting. It's also interesting when I run a model based on the historic data, and then we have that fight of data to include for mm. the next time. And so I, I actually was backing Moreno. It was one of those, one of those situations where probabilistically I didn't, I didn't think he was going to win, but at you know, plus 200 in the first matchup, I saw value there. I said, all right, if this is a coin flip for me and you're going to give me plus money, I'll take that. Absolutely. In the second fight, it was a little bit tighter, but because of their statistics in the first fight, I actually came out more strongly backing Moreno and saying, even though he's, his price isn't as favorable, I actually feel strongly. And the third, you know, the third fight, actually, even more so. So this is a trajectory where I was mildly supporting Moreno, and now I'm actually very clearly supporting Moreno. Um, it, it, it scares me. You know, Figueredo has some pretty crazy stats. Absolutely. On this fight card... Figueredo has as many knockdowns as Ngannou. They are the only two people who have eight distance knockdowns. Um, so you have a heavyweight, baddest man on the planet, and you have a flyweight. Absolute, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum here, and they have similar tendency to knock people out. So that scares me. He also has a su submission game. Um, but he's also a little bit sloppy. Mm. He, he gets hit. And for champions, there's a saying, you know, defense wins championships, right? Mm -hmm. That is a common thread I've seen in the stats when you look at champions like GSP, Anderson Silva, they were very hard to hit. And that allows you to fight long. It allows you to control fights. You can, you know, the great ones stick around because they don't get damaged. Right. And Figueredo, he's, he's keeps getting older. He's now 34. Moreno keeps getting better. He's only 28. This is his prime. Argue maybe he hasn't even peaked yet. Mm. Um, so looking at Figueredo, he's dangerous, but he also has some holes. And Moreno, just on paper, is... He's stacking up pretty well, you know. He he has output. He has wrestling. He has submissions. He has range. 
he's more accurate. Well, he's not more accurate with the power strikes, but he makes up for it by being harder to hit and controlling and actually using a much higher pace. So, I, Look, that is just, it's a, it's a fascinating numbers breakdown. Again, when you think of Nganu in the terms of knocking out guys, and then guys just don't get knocked out of flyweight unless you're going up against Davison Figueredo. So he does have that huge KO uh, power at, at the lightweight class, which makes him an anomaly kind of, you know, that unicorn. But to your point here, Moreno seen it, felt it, took it, and has not been, uh, suc- has not succumbed to it. So maybe at 28, maybe that chin just holds up one more time uh, to the point of the models. Very quickly, let's get to Cody Stamen against Saeed Nurmagomedov and what the models are showing you right now, Nurmagomedov, a pretty sizable favorite that we're seeing in this one. Yeah, it's when someone just barely qualifies, I require both fighters to have at least three fights. Sometimes that makes me nervous. I have done some look backs and said, well, what if I move that up to four? Would I do any better? And actually, it, it's the same. So, <laughs> so even though I don't have a lot of familiar, familiarity with Nurmagomedov, um, on paper, this is actually looking like an upset potential with, with Cody Stamen. So the line is pretty, you know, plus 165. Yeah. Um, I'll take that. Uh, don't. You don't normally see me betting on the much older fighter. I got 10 um, years senior, right? 10 years, uh, big reach differential. But um, when you look at Nurmagomedov, he just doesn't show up very well statistically. And that's against you know the first three fights in the UFC, not against world beaters or anything. So Stamen, I think he's got upset potential here. Right, so we have a live dog right here in Stamen at plus 165. Reed, don't go anywhere. You don't mind. Going to close out the show when we come back. Jordan Sherwood's going to join us from ESPN Chicago and get his thoughts. My goodness, cannot wait. I'm getting excited. UFC 270 tomorrow in Anaheim, California. Come on back. It is First Strike right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet on the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and you're going to be able to bet on many more ways than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, futures for MMA events upcoming. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms 
and conditions. Dave Ross back here on VEASAN on First Strike. It is a pleasure to have Reed Kuhn joining us in studio. And Reed, we get a real treat each and every week. We bring in Jordan Sherwood from ESPN Chicago. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Woodon1063. Jordan, welcome back to the program. So I'm going to ask you a couple things here and get Reed's thoughts afterward on them to see how the numbers might match up with the way you see these fights going. And let's start off right at the top with the big boys, the heavyweights. Of course, Francis Ngannou against Cyril Gane should be a great one. A small favorite, minus 145 we're seeing right now for the Frenchman. Which way do you think this fight's going to go, and what's the fight script that you see playing out? Yeah, I think it's going to go towards uh, the favorite. I think it's going to go towards that we're going to have a new unified champion in Cyril Gane, and there's a couple of reasons why. One is just stylistic, the matchup. You know, Cyril Gane moves like a welterweight in there. He's got fleet of foot. He's got an outstanding Muay Thai background. Uh, and look, he's been in 22 rounds in the UFC. He's won 22 rounds. And granted, he hasn't been in there with a guy like Francis Ngannou that, that hits like a Mack truck. But for me, the combination of the skill set, the fact that we're talking about a larger cage, because it's going to be you know not at, traditionally at the apex, so it's 25 foot to 30 foot, so that gives a little bit more uh, footwork a mobility for a guy like Cyril Gane. And couple that with just the week that Francis Ngannou is having. Contract negotiations are, uh, you know, after this fight going to happen. There's a storyline of the, the the knockout, the phantom knockout that's got garnering headlines that I think is adding pressure to Francis Ngannou. So for me, it all boils down to, to Cyril Gane being the guy that I would, you know, put my money on to win this fight because of the everything that I just alluded to. You know, Jordan, it's very interesting. And Reed, I know that those models can't exactly show that, right? That all of a sudden here, you know the contract dispute that's going on here. But that that is going to play into his head. Even though the models can't forecast that, what do you make of that line of, of rationale? Because Siragon is just the bigger, more flu- fluid heavyweight inside that octagon. Yeah, you, you mentioned the Muay Thai striking. Uh, it's interesting. When you look at shot selection, you know, is someone striking the head, the body, or the legs? 80-20 is kind of the rule, 80 head, and then it's an even split, 10%, 10% for body and, and leg. Uh, Gan is one of the most diverse strikers I've seen at heavyweight. Only 60% of his shots are going at the head. He's throwing a lot of kicks. Um, the opposite would be the case for Ngannou. He's much more one-dimensional. He's using his hands, and that's basically it. So I totally agree with the fact that the Muay Thai and the diverse striking assets of Gan are actually going to be a big issue here. And Jordan, do you think then this leads to an over? Because again, most backers that I've talked to this week believe that God's not going to get this done inside, let's say two and a half rounds, which is what the prop is here at Circus Sportsbook that Nick Likas has set that line at. Most people, if they back gone, they back the over. Do you agree with that analysis? Yeah, and, and but I think there's there, there's a secondary you know a notion to that, and that is also that Francis Ngannou has shown a maturity within the cage, particularly in his last fight with Stipe Miocic, that he was more cerebral. He was waiting to pick his shots. And then when, you know, Stipe Miocic ran in and, and, and clocked him and, and Francis Gano just stood there and took it and, and Stipe went for the finish and Gano saw his opening and finished the former champion. So I think it's a combination with most likely the scenario is Cyril Gano wins in the lighter rounds or wins via decision, but also because Francis Gano has become a little, a little bit more tentative, cerebral, I think he's actually going to look to, to to work at some takedowns as well. So that, I think, also favors the over happening. So, yeah, I, I do believe the over is the play, and that's also why I'm I'm leaning Cyril Gahn to win uh, the fight, especially at the price that you can have him at right now. Yeah, great point. He has become more patient, uh, has Francis Ngannou. And as long as the over 
in the Derek Lewis fight doesn't happen because we're still waiting for that fight to have a strike thrown, then I'll be okay as long as we get some action uh, inside that that fight, which still stings the memory bank. Uh, I know that you're going to like, obviously, uh, when you look at the numbers that Reed Kuhn does, Jordan, because I think you like the champion in the co-main event here and Brandon Moreno, even though the money seems like it's starting to come in on Figgy here. Look good making the weight here down to 124. Why do you still back and still to get his arm raised again on Saturday night? Yeah, and, and look, we're not surprised. I mean, I, I think we talked about it on first look, first strike earlier in the week. Like, everybody was going to wait till the weigh-in to see what Devison Figueredo looked like. Figueredo looked like, And he looked great. Like, look, second on the scale, looked shredded. So now he's got all that time to hydrate and, and balloon up to what he does. I just think Brandon Moreno has his number. I just think that, look, everybody has that kryptonite, that one guy, that one fighter, that no matter how good you get, you know, you go back to the to the well and you, you, you train. I, I just think Brandon Moreno is that guy. And I think Devison's going to have a round, a round and a half to try and get Brandon Moreno out of there. And look, I, 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 Devison won the first fight. Look, he, he got, you know, a, a point deducted for an illegal groin strike. So the majority draw. So obviously that, you know, that favors the, champ, the or Devison winning that first fight. But Brandon Moreno learned from that fight, improved, got better. And I just think he, he's going to be able to walk through that fire, get it into the later rounds, and get the win. So I love the fact that all this money is flowing in <laughs> on Devison right now, uh, making it more of a pickup fight or a closer fight on paper, when I just think that Brandon Moreno has it. And also, some of the other storylines heading into this week. Devison looks uncomfortable. He's trying to be aggressive. He's trying to, you know, get in the head of Brandon Moreno. And Brandon Moreno's just having fun out there. He doesn't care. He's, lo- he's living his best life. So... Yeah, I love the fact that everybody's coming in on Devison. I still am Brandon Moreno because I think he's just too well-versed. He's going to walk through that fire and likely get a late submission like he did in the in the second fight. Okay, so submission is what Jordan Sherwood's calling for. So, Reed, when you look the, at those numbers for the potential of a Moreno uh, getting another stoppage there, do, do, does the model bear that out? Yeah, actually, Moreno's ground control is vastly superior to Figueredo. Um, so he is arguably the better wrestler and positions set up uh, submissions and that's what you need. So Moreno should be finding that late control. Um, I don't think he's going to stand in trade for that long. I think he is going to fight all over. This is going to be one of those fights. I think this is going to be wild. It's going to be all over the cage, but Moreno does have the ground advantage, at least on paper. Yeah. If it's a case of uh, Shirley Bassey history repeating that sub would pay back two seventy five if the champion does that again. All right, Jordan, let's take a look at some of your other picks that you like here. Michael Morales is an interesting name making his UFC debut against Trevin Giles. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I mean, this was another example of a guy that I was going to wait to see what he looked like at weigh-ins in Trevin Giles. And, you know, going to a new weight class, cutting down the weight to 170. But he did look great. Look, he looked shredded. He looked like he was ready to go. He's just had brain farts inside the octagon. <laughs> Too many for, 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 for me to, to feel comfortable backing him, even as an underdog, even as the experienced UFC veteran, it has a couple of wins under his belt. And he's an athletic guy. You know, uh, obviously, you know, he, he also spends his time as a Houston police officer, but people are high on uh, 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 Mike Marais. And, and I think the reason behind it is what we saw his skill set in the Dana White Contender Series, you know, coming in as a favorite making your UFC debut against a UFC veteran. I think a lot of people are not going to be able to get him at this price after this fight. I think we're going to see why he is favored, why people are high on him, why he got a lot of notoriety coming out of the contender series. So I like him because, again, also the untrustworthiness of, of Giles and what we've seen throughout his UFC career. Yeah, it's very interesting you say that because we have seen some money come in on Giles. So to your point, if you like Morales, 
Probably not going to get, get this number again if he shines in his debut on Saturday night. He's certainly going to be uh, put in the, those bright lights for the first time. Let's see if they're not too bright for him. I want to get your thoughts on Saeed Nurmagomedov, a big favorite right now against Gordy Stamen. Now, again, Stamen's about 10 years older. What do you make of Nurmagomedov? And no, he is not the brother of Habib Nurmagomedov, <laughs> as people always seem to think just because they have the same last name. Uh, yeah, and are we in a situation where people are just backing the last name? Like, dude, they love the last name, so that's why they're going to put... And maybe that's the case. Maybe people are just betting this blindly. But I just think when you look at this matchup, stylistically, a lot of the same components. You know, both have wrestling, grappling backgrounds, lean on the kickboxing early on in fights. I just think the fluidity, the versatile strikes that Nurmagomedov can bring to the table, plus the fact he's the bigger fighter, longer reach, uh, more style that he's going to be able to bring. And he's going to be able to stop that double leg takedown when Cody Stamen's having some issues with it. Look, we've, we've seen Stamen face mirror image guys before. Uh, you know, Jimmy Rivera comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Good boxer, good stand-up base, good wrestler. And he struggled in that fight. And, yeah, I, I just don't think this is a winnable fight uh, for Cody Stamen. I don't like it at $2. I even don't like it at $195. If I get it down to, like, $1.80, dollar $1.85, then I play Nurmagomedov for sure because I think it's going to be a three-round Unanimous decision, dominating win for Nurmagomedov. I got about 30 seconds to go, Jordan. Any other fights on this card that really stand out to you that you'd like to give out to the people here on First Strike? Yeah, go early on Kay Hansen. Uh, She's making her return. Last fought in November of 2020. Had to pull out, take some time away from the cage. But I think she's just going to be better overall and likely get a finish. A women's fight that's going to get the finish uh, against uh, uh, Joss Duvicius, who's making her UFC debut at 31 years of age. Kickboxer. She's going to want to have to work the clinch. Some recipe for disaster against Kay Hansen. Kay Hansen takes the fight to the ground, gets a submission in the second or third round. That's what my suggestion would be. I think you get a plus 275. Absolutely. Hey, Jordan, really appreciate it. As always, Jordan Sherwood. Want to thank Nick Kalikas, Lou Finnecaro, and of course, Reed Kuhn for being in studio today here on First Strike. Appreciate you as well. Enjoy the fights, everybody. We'll see you next week right back here on First Strike on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.